This past week was a, a great week uh, for me, I have to admit and confess. On Tuesday, I got a call from a friend of mine urgently towards the end of the day saying, could you possibly be at a vaccination center in 30 minutes? And I was like, cancel a meeting, get in the car, immediately sped down there and I was able to get, get my shot. And it was going on, it was, that was like 3.30 in the afternoon. And I was able to tell somebody else and a couple other people about it because it was such good news. And I got that shot. I was doing a happy dance to get it. It's going around if you haven't got it. Well, it, it's going to make its way. But it was, it was such good news that I received it, did my happy dance, and then I shared it with like three other people. Like, here's a place. They're at the end of the day. They've got stuff. Get over there. And I, I want to suggest and think about for a minute that that's great news, good news. Christianity itself is fantastic news, really, really great news. Why don't we share it with the same enthusiasm that I did the information about that vaccination shot? Or maybe some of us do, but it's complicated, right? That's what I want to speak about this morning in thinking about this part of our baptismal covenant. Now, if you're just joining us, we are in a five-week sermon series that we've been doing and you know, this is week three where we're looking at these questions and that these commitments that we make as part of our baptismal covenant. And we've already done two before today. We went back to the very first one that follows the doctrine questions, um, which is based on Acts 2, 42. And it says, will you continue in the apostles teaching and fellowship, the breaking of the bread and the prayers? And we talked about that. And then last week, we talked about the question about will you persist in resisting evil whenever you sin? We repent and return to the Lord. And if you miss those, you can pick them up through our media center on, the, on our website. And I encourage you to do that. Today, we get to the third question. The third question asks, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? It's, it's going to our commitment to share the good news that we have experienced and that's what we're going to talk about. And when you begin to look at the pattern of uh, how Christianity has progressed since Jesus first entered the scene in his public ministry, we'll see this pattern of people being willing to say something and to share in some kind of way. And you don't have to go very far into Scripture to see the pattern develop, right? I want to look at just uh, at the start of John's Gospel you'll see this pattern starting. And I just want to read a couple passages from, first, from the first chapter of John. This is where John the Baptist is out one day and he sees Jesus walking up, verse 35. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples and he watched Jesus walk by and he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. That's all he said on that. And that was a form of a witness. That's a form of testimony. And those two disciples of John then took after Jesus and followed him. Because that was enough of a testimony by John to say, there he is. And they went. And then the passage continues. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. And they came and they saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus invites them and says, just come and see. And we'll say more about this later, but that's like maybe half of all 
sharing is just say, come and see. You don't have to be fancy. Just come and see. Come check out our church. Come do this. Come and see. And the, the passage continues on. And um, let me just read one more. One of the two who, or a couple more, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He was first found his brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which is translated the anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. So the first thing he, he gets it, he goes and tells his brother. He shares it with him and says, come and see what we found. Now one more, one more passage after that. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip went and found Nathanael and said to him, We found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. We see this kind of pattern just continue. One person receives it or come and see and they explore and they find and then it's invite somebody else and then they invite somebody else and they invite somebody else. That's part of what we see as part of this word, this invitation. And we think about not only the pattern that we see in Scripture and throughout Christian history, but we think about how we've been charged with this mission, right? You think about this final passage where Jesus, uh, in Matthew's gospel, where Jesus is helping the disciples kind of get their feet again after the crucifixion and, the re- and all this stuff, the resurrection, their whole world is been disoriented. It's coming back together. He invites them to Galilee and then he gives them these instructions that we know is the Great Commission. But part of what he tells them is go and make disciples of all, all nations. And this idea that that's part of the mission given to the disciples, it's part of the mission given to the church, and it's part of the mission given to us. We have a mission in this way. And in 1 Peter 3, Peter says, you know, directly that each of us should be ready to give an account of the hope that's within us. You should be ready to talk about why do you have hope living in you? That's part of what we're meant to be and how, how we're meant to be. So it's not a surprise, I don't think, that when we put together the baptismal covenant and we talk about what it means to be baptized and become a serious God follower and disciple, that part of that is we're to engage in this very same process. We're to be about sharing this good news, this great news that, that we found. And, you know, it is great news, right? I mean, it's not like we're sharing some drudgery. It's great news. God loves you full stop the way you are and knows everything you've messed up and everything you've ever done and everything you don't want the public to see. He knows and loves you fully. That's part of our good news. Or the idea that whatever the worst day of your life is, if you've already lived it or whether it's coming, whatever the worst day of your life is going to be, the very worst thing you're ever going to experience is not going to be the final word. Even death is not going to be the final word. That's part of the good news that we embrace. And then forgiveness of our, of our sins and all our brokenness, we've all done it. It's just grace. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to go do a certain achievement, finish a certain thing. It's just receive it. God's given it. And the invitation to come into a community that is meant to be known by love, where we may mess it up, and we do, but where our commitment is 
that we're going to be a community that we want to be known for our love. We want to do everything we can do to try to figure out what it means to love one another and to live in that kind of community. That's good news. And we, we can go on and on talking about all the good news. I was thinking about it on our opening song today where the chorus kept coming back about Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that's who you are. That's, that's who God is. And that's what he brings to us. That's fantastic news. And all this commitment is saying is we shouldn't sit on it. Don't go get your vaccine alone and not tell anybody. Share this great news, this good news, as part of what it means to live out our faith. And it doesn't have to be a lot of complicated things. Our commitment that we make in the baptismal covenant is that we'll do it by word and example. And when we start talking about word, it doesn't have to be you're going to go to the street corner with a megaphone. It's not that. It, maybe it's just saying, like Jesus did, come and see. Or maybe it's just sharing your life story with somebody. And one of those ingredients is the hope and the life that you've found in faith. Or maybe it's on Monday morning when somebody asks you, how was your weekend? And you say, well, it was good. I, Saturday I did such and such. And on Sunday I went to church and had some great music and heard a message of hope and whatever else, sharing what that's part of your weekend. Maybe that's it. That plants a seed. That aspect of, or maybe it's a straight on invitation. Hey, why don't, why don't you, you know, I really enjoy my church. It's a great place. Why don't you come check it out? Um, straight up invitation that way. Why don't we do that? I think maybe in part it's because we sometimes get wrapped up in fear. I don't want to be the outcast. I don't want to be the, the religious nut. I don't want to be the person doing this or that. Or maybe we've, we're living in the South. We've probably all been exposed to some insensitive evangelist who had some formula that we needed to go down. We don't want that, so we throw everything out. But the thing about it is, this is asking us to be sensitive to God's Spirit. God's Spirit is the one that does it. We just need to be sensitive in how do we allow God's spirit to work through us in making that invitation that we received. That's, that's the, the, the part of this. So the first part about this is we share it. We share this great news by word. And that may be the part that makes our, our Episcopalian knees shake because we don't want to say things out loud and do things like that. But it's part of our calling and it's part of the commitment we make. Happily, there's also more than that, right? Because deeds and example are also really hugely important as well. It reminds me of the story that I heard uh, the other day about the, uh, the woman, Mrs. Smart, who came to church and she it was time for the offertory and the plates are starting to come around and the ushers are doing their thing and she gets into her purse and starts going through her purse and all of a sudden there's this big clunky noise. Something fell out of her purse in the middle of the aisle because she was sitting on the end of the aisle and the usher was very helpful, came over there to help her and picked it up and it was the TV remote control. And the usher leans over to her and says, Mrs. Smart, why in the world do you, do you always bring your TV remote control with you to church? She says, well, I couldn't get my husband to go today. So I thought this was the best thing I could do for him. Give him a little time for reflection. <laughs> We're talking about doing deeds and examples, but good ones, right? Good ones. Not necessarily painful ones like that. But the idea that... Um, Deeds really do matter, right? I have a friend of mine who was abused um, 
for a long period of time in some relationships. And he was saying the other day that, that part, of the, um, part of what he carries from this is that he's not really able to hear and receive somebody saying that they love him. That the only thing that communicates to him are actions. And I think there are lots of people like that in the world about Christianity and about anything you want to say. It's not just word, words won't be enough for many people. They need to see love through actions. That's how you earn even the ability to be heard whatsoever. And that's not exclusively the reason we do it because Jesus calls us into the brokenness of the world to serve the least of these and all of that. But to get a voice, we also do it. Part of the benefit of it is people will listen to us who wouldn't otherwise because they know you're living out your faith in an authentic way. It's word and deed that way. And we, we aren't just, we're doing these things in the world because God calls us to it. And, you know, I think also we look at that passage, the commitment we make, it's word and example. It's not word or example. It's both. And sometimes it takes both of them to be powerful, right? Because they go together. I was reading a little uh, article on evangelism in the last couple of weeks. And uh, the author of this one work uh, said this. He says, when the communists took over Russia in 1917, they did not make Christianity illegal. But what they did make illegal was for the church to do any good works. No longer could the church fulfill its historic role in feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, housing the orphan, educating children, or caring for the sick. What was the result? Seventy years later, the church was totally irrelevant to the communities in which it dwelt. Take away service and you take away the church's power, influence, and evangelistic effectiveness. The power of the gospel is combining the life-changing message with selfless service. It's both and. And I think for us, it's one of the reasons this church has an emphasis on mission and outreach. We do it because Jesus draws us to it. It's part of what it means to live as disciples. But we're also aware it's part of what gives us a voice by doing that. We're not authentic if we're not doing that. And Jesus did it, right? We look at Jesus' life. He didn't just go into every town walking along and just say, the preacher's here, pull up a chair. He came in with compassion and would see people and he would go hang with the marginalized and he would heal people and he would do all these kinds of things and he would deliver a message about the kingdom. It was a both and. There's so much power in that. I read recently uh, the story about a pastor in South Korea, uh, a guy named Pastor Lee. And there's a movie made about the story that I'm going to tell you that's called The Dropbox. But the story is, uh, it's a true story. And it's about, you know, around the world, there are times when people in large numbers will leave babies that they don't want. We do it in the United States too. They'll have like fire um, ladders. You can leave, people will leave babies and things. But apparently this was particularly bad in South Korea. And inspired by Jesus and by the son that they had raised with challenges, he and his wife decided this was a mission their church should take up. And they began to help with these babies that were being abandoned. And they kind of got the word out. And in time, they took in lots of babies. They built this drop box, which was at the front door of their church. And it was this large 
sort of drawer that would open to the outside and then it would come in, it could open the other side and it was heated and had light and it had a bell so they could know when a baby had been left that nobody wanted. And Pastor Lee, when the bell would go off, would come down and wrap the baby in a blanket and pray for it, the child. They got to where at any given time, the Lees and their volunteers would be taking care of about 12 children. And over time, they've done hundreds of children. But it's interesting, the influence of this to me, because it's a great witness. But there was a movie maker who went to South Korea to make a movie, a guy named Brian Ivey. And he went with the intentions of making a movie about something else, a documentary. And in the course of getting ready to film this other documentary, he came across Pastor Lee and was so captivated by his story that they ended up making a movie on the spot about him and his ministry. And it so affected him that it transformed him and he committed to Christ. That's the power, I think, of part of the example of living it out. And I, I wanna end this sermon today with one more story, a, a true story, and it's a true story from the Dallas area. I've got a really good friend of mine who's a physician in town who told me this story just in the last couple months. He was telling me that one of his friends is an oncologist who's about 70 years old. And this man was born in another country, raised as an atheist, came to the United States and did uh, some of the best medical training that there is in the United States and began to practice as an oncologist. And he went all the way to his late 60s and he, he tells what happened next. He said that after doing, you know, doing this for so many years, he said there were three things that suddenly impacted me. He said, the first is I had this day where I, I reflected on my career looking back and it was the, I thought about all the people that I had seen facing maybe the hardest news they were ever gonna face and many of them facing death. And it was the Christians who were willing to share that that's what was going on with him who had calm and had peace and had hope in this. And it really caught my attention over the years, consistently. And then he said, um, sort of the middle piece of this, he said he got to a place where he realized that all the achievements he had done were hollow. And he said the third thing that came to him was another oncologist, one of his competitors, who was a guy known for his joy, who was vocal about his faith and was willing to tell him, this is the place of joy. This is the place of light. This is the place of hope. All of these things came together. And at like age 68, this guy became a Christian, he and his wife. All the things that go into that. The example of all those patients and that competitor of his, that other oncologist who was willing to speak about his faith, led this guy to come to Christ. We have great news to share. We're invited to share it by word and example. That's our commitment we make in our baptismal covenant. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you have helped us through twists and turns, perhaps, to find life, to find good news, to find hope, to find a love that doesn't end or change, that's consistent. Forgiveness of sins, a community of love, all these things, Lord. Help us with boldness and confidence through word and example to share it. Give us that grace to be open to your spirit. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.